0: And that you know we see a lot of people in our space that are getting a lot of money mm-hmm. but money can't buy that stuff. that's that's time, dedication, commitment. So I think that's uh, that's really what separates us and, and adds value for for the brand.
1: The road of an entrepreneur is guaranteed to be askew, and there are always big questions to overcome. How are tech founders bootstrapping their way to the top while spending money from their own pockets? How do they scale a startup that is primed for a successful exit, yet still remain profitable? These are the types of questions that this podcast will help answer, and it will shine light onto the livelihood of entrepreneurs, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the dirt in between. My name is Jim Barnish, and welcome to The Dirt. So our guest today is a serial entrepreneur at the intersection of technology, real estate, and credit solutions. Hailing from Buffalo, New York, he's a former Marine and a lifelong learner who also takes the time to educate the world as both a keynote speaker and just a general great dude. (laughs) In today's conversation, we're going to take a deeper dive into his growth around all things strategy and culture, the massive real estate community that he's built from the ground up, and how his current tech company is serving the needs of landlords and property managers. Founder and CEO of Rent Prep, Steve White, welcome to The Dirt. Thanks for
0: having me on, Jim. That was a great intro, man. I love it. Thank you.
1: <laughs> you bet. You bet. So, brother, you're my first guest on the show that's a Marine, so hoorah. Uh, But yeah, yeah. first off, thank you for your service. Um, and uh, just curious, how did that military life in the trenches turn into... A life as an entrepreneur in the dirt. Oh man! Uh, well,
0: as a marine, you know that was my job crawling through the dirt and painting my face, and it was like, you know, everything that a kid imagines uh, wanting to uh, to get out of the the Marines. Um, and and that was exactly what I did. I I, I joined as a, as an infantry marine, and you know, despite everybody telling me like don't do that don't go infantry get a job with this or that or computers and that and I was like yeah but I I kind of want to crawl in the mud and shoot guns and like that was what I wanted out of it um but I think uh you know I, I think what it did is it conditioned me to accept um you know accept failure uh, have the discipline to push through uh, at times when especially when you think you can't you can't push a you know uh, another day or another minute um and as an entrepreneur, those are those are handy uh, experiences to have when, you know, and when, when things start to get challenging or uh, when you start to wonder, you know, did I make the right decision or or, uh, you know, do I have the stomach for this uh, to, to stick this out? So it's I would say it's been really, really helpful The Marines, uh, you know, on the leadership side and everything else. But I think it really at the end of the day, it taught me that I can uh, endure much more than I than I would imagine.
1: Yeah, that's that's great. And um, you're on your third, fourth, fifth, tenth company now. Uh,
0: we'll say third. Um, my first company was a a chimney sweeping company. Uh, super random, right? Everybody like uh, tell people that, and they're like, "What? Really? How do you get into something like that?" So we're in the Northeast. We're in Buffalo, New York, and uh, you know a lot of people have chimneys stay warm in the winter time, burning wood. And, uh, it was something my dad did as a side hustle side job when I was a kid. Um, so, you know, I'd be 12 years old and my dad be pulling me away from Saturday morning cartoons and, uh, (laughs) saying like, let's get out and and go work. And, uh, and so I want, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew I wanted to be a business owner when I I got out of the Marines, um, and taking over the, the chimney company was, was a no brainer. And I, I, you know, my dad had, uh. About a 100, 150 clients on a notebook, spiral notebook, and uh, I sold the chimney company with over seven hundred clients and a digital database and all this marketing strategy built around it. Um, notes on every house to know, like how to reduce costs by sending out uh, less of a crew if it was a smaller house that you only needed one guy to go out, and versus the bigger houses with two guys that you need would need to go out. So we were able to, you know, uh, sort of strategically schedule the days and and you know, get the most out of, uh, out of the workforce. And so that, that taught me a lot about, um, entrepreneurship. It was like a, it was a playground for me. It was, it was great training grounds, um, to learn. So, uh, yeah, so super random. I ended up selling it to like my landscaping guy, uh, the the business, it was like a perfect fit landscaping in the summer, spring, summer, and, you know, cleaning chimneys in the fall and the winter. Um, and, uh, and yeah, started getting into uh, the, the credit side of things and some pretty obscure businesses on that side too that that we've sold and pivoted away from.
1: Yeah, and now um, really exciting business that that you're uh, in the midst of some incredible growth at Rent Prep. Um, you know what? What really sets Rent Prep apart from the industry? So we
0: started Rent Prep. Um, it was uh, the first version of Rent Prep. Failed. It was a you know three month one hundred and fifty dollars in revenue failure. Um, the idea. I still think the idea was good. It was just way way ahead of its time, um, and we did a terrible job educating um, prospective clients on on what the concept was. But the first version of Rent Prep was that tenants would be able to uh, run their own background checks and credit, and then share it with landlords. So it was you know prepare to rent. Be, be ready. So when you go to the, you know, you go to a landlord uh, or an apartment community, you're, you know, you're, you sort of have done all of your work and you're, you're coming in whole. Um, they're just starting to do that now. That's like just a thing within the past year, about a year, maybe year and a half, 10 years ago. Logically, it made sense. Um, but, you know, we, we put about $10,000 into print marketing. It was like the end of print marketing right at the tail end of it. That was a mistake. And then, um, we did nothing to really educate people how this thing worked. And uh, yeah, three months, $150, huge failure. Um, but I think from that we learned uh, a lot about background checks at the time too and realizing that uh, you know there was sort of this art to it. Um, and so to this day, a lot of our competitors, I'd say most of them have really leaned into automating as much as they possibly can, scraping databases, uh, no humans involved, which from a lot of business perspective is a good thing, right? Um, but from a product, we just saw it wasn't, you know, it was pretty subpar. And so what stands us apart at, at Prep is that we're still using a blend of technology in, in really highly trained uh, screeners, humans, that are compiling these reports and, and bringing the most accurate uh, background checks to landlords on the planet. So if you're an unfortunate soul like me with a name of Steve White. There's 2,700 Steve Whites in the United States. Uh, three of them are sex offenders. Uh, one of them is a middle school with the exact same spelling as my name. Uh, there's, you know, you run an instant search and scrape the data. You're going to get a lot of false positives. You're going to get a lot of records that aren't mine, and uh, you know, uh, it's not good for person who needs that information to make a decision. it's not good for the person who who has the common name or or somebody who you know is being accused of of something that they didn't do um so our focus is really on product quality um and and what we're able to to bring and the processes that we use to do it to keep costs down so this isn't some boutique concierge you know. Five hundred dollars a report we're able to still keep it uh you know super reasonable and and competitive um and so I would say that gives us the advantage on the you know uh on the competitor side of pe- for people who are looking for you know maybe something a little bit a little bit more a little better who want the uh want to take the extra step
1: well I'm glad I didn't invite one of the three. Sex offender Steve White's to this podcast, <laughs> and I got you instead. <laughs> You're way better content.
0: <laughs> well, better content. Yeah, 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 yeah. I won't, I won't go down. I won't, I won't step into that trap. But I will tell you this, because um, I've seen. You know, we, we always see the mugshots of the sex offenders. You get to see all the mugshots. People always ask me, uh, you know, do you see the records? Is it disturbing? Yes, it's disturbing. Yes, we get to to see the criminal records. We do get to see. Uh, mug shots and everything else. The only thing I'll tell you is I've never seen a sex offender that I, that I was like, that person doesn't look like a sex offender. They always look like you would imagine they, every single time they do exactly what you would think. You look at it and you're like, yeah, yeah, I could see it. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Makes sense. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Now. Now, you guys also um, one differentiator I understand is you know you're, you're subject matter experts in this stuff, right? You've got a deep background in real estate and credit and a lot of these other solutions out there, background checking tools and alike, are are just you know they're tech players, right? At the end of yeah. the day, tech tools and 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 the the SME and the use case isn't as specialized as what you guys have developed. Is that correct, too?
0: That's correct. Um, it's it's a great point. You know, with the with the tech players, they're, they're plugging in, they're using software and APIs, um, you know, to, to plug into databases, um, but they don't have that, that expertise. And so, you know, it's, it's strange. We, you know, we're kind of an old school business. If you call Rem prep, a human picks up the phone. I couldn't tell you, uh, how often and you know, you'll hear the, our screeners, uh, chuckle, people will call. And the first thing they'll ask is, are you, are you real? Is this a human being? Like, you're just not used to it. You know? Uh, you know, so we get a lot of calls from landlords that are new or maybe they just had a really horrible situation and, uh, and they just want to talk it through and say like, Hey, yeah. I just ran this report. Uh, I've never, I don't look at a whole lot of these. I don't look at credit reports all the time. Can somebody take a minute to, you know, explain to me what I'm, what I'm looking at here. And so having those highly trained um screeners. And we're really proud of that, that I, I believe that we have the the best uh, uh, trained screeners, right? The mentality of a Marine, I, I've been pushing for years, this concept of elite, elite, uh, we have to be elite screeners. And this, and this concept that I also took from the Marines that every employee should be a screener first. Uh, it's kind of like in the Marines, every every Marine is a rifleman. Um, you know, when when the bullets start flying, and things get bad, and the cook has to put the beans down and pick up a weapon. Uh, you want to be sure he know he knows how to use that thing. So uh, everybody in our company, business development, marketing, um, everybody can know screening is FCRA certified uh, and at least understands the function of it. They may not be, you know, as good as a screener, but they understand it and they can do it. Um, and so that's uh, you know, it, it changes the culture for sure. our 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 mindset is uh, really that we we exist to help landlords. Uh, you know, we don't exist to provide the best software. We don't exist to make the most money. we We really, truly exist to to service our landlord clients, protect their investments, give them some peace of mind. Um, and I watched my dad, uh, you know, as a he was a landlord, didn't own very many properties, but uh, you know, this guy would have that thousand yard stare at the dinner table thinking about you know a, a tenant that he was having an issue with um you know and they do all kinds of crazy things sometimes flushing socks down the toilets and punching holes in the walls and stuff and it's stressful life as a landlord is lonely and it's and it's stressful so if, if we can um you know provide a little little support for them and and uh and be there when they've got questions and um, and help them through that I, I feel like we're we're doing what we're supposed to
1: that's that's incredible and also um i know community has been a big part of your culture and in the way that you know you've been able to scale and you know huge brands peloton nike right they've all grown through this concept of community led growth and you've made some incredible long-term investments into your community but also experienced some pretty challenging roadblocks yes
0: yeah yeah so our community again came from a failed business idea uh so uh any new or young entrepreneurs out there listening um start rethinking how you know what you failure fail. is yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly fail fail forward uh i always explain it as like um uh the the uh, taking your your car to the junkyard uh concept of like all right the car might be broke but there's some things in it that are good still right like you pull the radio out you get yeah, you're not going to give the junk character good tigers you just put on there. Um, so we built this this uh, course um, for landlords. Nowadays we we survey our clients, and most of our decisions are really heavily data-driven. This was like a shoot from the hip idea of like I think, I think landlords might want to take courses and get certified to prove that they're a good landlord. False landlords don't want to take courses and pay for courses and get certified. Landlords want to learn peer-to-peer and we learned that um, with this business we built courses and then it was like and we want this community on the side to to you know to support them well the community ended up being the the star and uh the courses failed so put the courses up for free on uh, on Udemy i think it's one of the highest uh, uh rated uh, landlord courses you can take on there completely free it was all this stuff we had built with the intention to to monetize and uh and we sort of pulled the community out and um, and let that gave that thing some room to breathe. It was pretty early on in the Facebook community days. Facebook itself was fascinated. I, we got invited out to Facebook. I got to meet Mark Zuckerberg. Um, he's as weird as you would imagine, uh, yeah, but imagine. but a fa- but a fascinating guy. you hear employees talk about this guy, you know he shows up in his Honda Civic, first one in the office, floor to ceiling glass windows, wants to see what's going on. Super plugged into his team. I saw him as not the guy that you see uh on TV. I saw him as a guy who understood how to operate a, a successful team. Uh, I was I I left pretty impressed, honestly. Uh not not what I had imagined. But yeah, the uh the community has been great. Um, we've done things a bit different. Our goal was never to grow the largest community. We were actually Pretty proud of the fact that you know, as a screening company, we're good at screening the community members to make sure that the people that are in the community are the people that uh, can really benefit and serve the community. So you know, we we screen them. We we turn down uh, three times more applicants uh, than than we actually accept into the community. Um, and so what it's turned into is this you know super high engagement place with just you know years and years of landlord wisdom. Uh, tucked into there, and uh, it's been an incredible, incredible experience to see, and something we couldn't, we couldn't replicate. I remember uh, sort of this magic tr- transaction that we watched happen, where a landlord was terrified. Uh, they just had a, a house fire in their rental property, and uh, you know, for anybody, that's a terrifying thing. And the landlord had all kinds of legitimate questions. You know, what do I do? Am I responsible for putting the tenant up into a hotel? Whose insurance does this go under? Is it the tenant's, uh, renter's insurance? Is it my insurance? Um, they posted that in the community. You can, you know, see the fear and, and and the anxiety they were dealing with. Within an hour, you had another landlord that said, "Hey, I just went through this uh, this past year. Here's exactly what you should expect. Here's exactly what I would do from this. You know, from right now. Here's who you should call. Um, go to sleep. Wake up in the morning. Three more landlords now have posted and saying." I've been through this as well, and so that was the power of the community that we saw really early on. It was this magic, you know, uh, interaction that was happening mm. between landlords who had a sense of camaraderie, no, no skin in the game other than hey, I don't want to see somebody else suffer um, or maybe make the mistakes that I've made, and uh, and they're just there to genuinely help others in the community. And that's the whole concept of this thing: is you got to you, you've got to want to be helpful and, and participate wholly in it. Um, and it's, it's incredible. I would say anybody that, you know, has a business and if you want to add something really special, uh, give the community some consideration and, and and give it the, you know, give it the space that it needs to grow and, uh, and maybe don't tinker so much with it. I I think that was another lesson I learned as an entrepreneur. I always wanted to poke and tweak. And what can we do? And the community really, I I sort of left it in the hands of the community and the moderators uh, who are all volunteer refused payment, uh, you know, long-term community members. And, uh, and they helped make it great. You know, we just put up, we just put up bumpers, make sure nobody's throwing gutter balls or anything's getting crazy or going off the rails. But um, we really tried to let the community th- uh, thrive and, and grow into what it could be and, and not you know not not mess with it not not ruin a good thing
1: yeah and and you bring up something really important about um acquisition versus engagement, right user or community or you know whatever it is whether you're you're bringing people into an application um or technology or you're building a community, acquisition's important, but if you're not exclusive about who your user should be and the engagement that that you're driving with them, and same with community it's um You know that community doesn't either doesn't survive or or doesn't become as valuable as it once was. So, you said you let you let one in four basically um, into the community. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, we get we 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 catch a lot of heat for that. Uh, Yeah, I bet (laughs) our our Google reviews
0: and our product are great. If you look at any of the one star reviews, most of them are related to people who are upset that they didn't get into the community or they were Mm -hmm. removed from the community. Um, you know, it's important to us. We keep the streets clean. We don't, in, especially in the real estate business, you know, there's so many gurus and, uh, book peddlers and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, people wanting to, you know, get rich quick and, you know, read how I made my first million before I was 18, just crazy stuff. Like it's, in 10 it's insane. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, you don't need any money to do this. It, the whole thing is nuts, and so we just wanted to like clear all that away. And there's a place for that. I won't mention the name of it, but there's a place for that. And if that's the kind of stuff you want, you you know, if you're in the industry, you know where to go. We wanted something that was really just for the landlords, and uh, you know, we, we wanted a safe space for them. I think that was the most important thing. We didn't want them to be bombarded with, you know, you should buy this to improve or get better or this or that we don't even let them post if they're selling a property you know uh mm-hmm. it's it's you know like i said we we really work hard at keeping the streets clean and and uh and the people there appreciate it it's you know hugely valuable so um, res- we we've resisted the temptation to allow that stuff in because that's all stuff you can monetize people advertising in there and selling stuff and affiliate relationships and everything else um but uh you know it just wasn't wasn't uh, our our vision and what we wanted from this. We wanted it to be, you know, no strings attached, genuinely good. It's, it's something that's pretty. I feel like it's pretty rare nowadays. Is to this concept of like, we're not asking it for anything. Just your participation help make it great. Um, but you know, we don't expect anything in return other than uh, you know your help in, in in making this thing what it is. But you know, don't get your wallets out. There's no hidden. You know agenda here.
1: It's a give and a get.
0: Yeah. We, we built it for you and make it awesome.
1: And you're a CEO by day and a community street sweeper by night.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, I got, I'll tell you, I don't spend a lot of time moderating in there. I participate in the monthly AMAs. I, we answer questions. Obviously, we, you know, we sort of deploy our screeners in there to answer questions. True. relating specifically to background checks or criminal records and credit reports but um yeah i these moderators are that we have are um uh people who just love it love doing it and thank god that they do because i couldn't do it especially when a few years ago you had um man we were putting out fires constantly left and right because the you know the political situation in the country and it's so you know, polarized. And, and um, it, it just seemed like you couldn't get away from it anywhere, including in our community, you know? And uh, we started creating triggers for all kinds of keywords that would pop up like snowflake and you know like, like all right, if these things pop up, the moderators are going to see it and then make decisions like, Hey, we, we don't want that here. This isn't a political forum. This isn't a place, you know, to, to air that kind of stuff out. And uh, they had their hands full. They had their hands full. There was a stretch of time there where, you know, it felt like it was just toxic everywhere. You couldn't get away from it. And we, you know, we didn't, uh, we didn't walk away unscathed either. We had a a lot of, um, you know, a a lot of issues inside of there, uh, you know, and and really passionate people arguing their their points and their sides. And um, I think that was the point where I decided like, I probably don't need to, I probably don't need to look at this every night before I go to bed and moderate. We should really lean into the moderators that want to do this and, and love doing it and uh so thank God for them so i don't so I don't spend a ton of time moderating the community, but it's intentional by choice
1: yeah and and you so these significant investments that you guys have made into the community how do you how do you envision building on those investments to continue you know scaling the business?
0: Um it's a good question. I I have an answer. I'm trying to calculate in my mind if I want to give the answer or not. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, we 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 do have some ideas for the community. And I'll I'll say this is uh, you know, imagine you've got all this landlord wisdom. Um, you know, un, untainted. It's it's pure, it's as pure as it gets. Nobody solicited it. Uh, you know. This this wasn't done under any other guys. It was all done for the the sake of helping other landlords and sharing experience. And so you have this incredible, um, incredible landlord wisdom that 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 exists in there. And all right, so now we get over uh, nine thousand posts a month, uh, about ninety to one hundred thousand engagements. So people commenting, communicating back and forth per month. And this community has been active for years. And so in my mind, we have a untapped um, repository of landlord wisdom, Uh deep, deep, deep wisdom um, that when the time is right, uh, we can start pulling that out. And, um, you know, that's, that's valuable stuff. That's stuff that uh, can help other landlords and guide them and point them in the right direction. And, uh, I would, I would imagine it would take exactly what it took us years and years of, um, you know, uh, letting this thing grow and, and accumulate to, uh, to have a, to reach a point where you have this, you know, this level of, uh, this, this database of knowledge and wisdom. So, um, mm-hmm. we'll be leveraging that. I don't want to say how exactly, yeah. uh, but we will be leveraging. More <laughs> yeah, more to come. Uh, we will be leveraging that. And I think that's, uh again, you know, in the age of, you know, this, this tech driven, um, this this tech driven world. And I never asked for it. I, you know, I came in to the credit industry kind of in like a weird side door, right? We were doing these things called Replevin orders, um, which was basically a repossession of these large uh, construction equipment, street pavers and things like that. So, you know i wasn't a tech guy i don't have the the dna of tech necessarily i've been forced into it and i've uh you know adapted pretty well i think um but that wasn't that wasn't my my entry or or my my specialty necessarily and so um i don't see it as this savior coming in always like a, a lot of people especially in my industry um i really feel like there's there's still a ton of value in um kind of the old school way you know Have a phone number, let people, let your customers call you, uh, you know, build value and, uh, and some things can't be done with an AI and can't be automated and that's okay. Use technology to, to make you as efficient as possible, but it doesn't have to replace everything. And, um, you know, there's a, there's definitely a space for it, but, um,
1: yeah, we've gotten so lost in this world of automation that, um, sometimes people forget that we're still humans Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we're not robots. Right. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it's, it's um, I'll tell you, if I was in industry, I'd be, I'd be uh, looking to buy you based off your community alone. And I know you've been getting a lot of attention from people who are in industry prospective buyers. Yeah. Um, What do they love so much about rent prep? Uh, Well, again,
0: it's a great question. So I love, uh, I love the fact that um we we've learned we've learned a lot of our lessons the hard way, right? Like a lot of our competitors, they've been they've been around for three years, five years, seems like a long time nowadays. But you know, we started this in 07. Huh. Um, and man, we've we've made some we've made some mistakes. We've made some big mistakes that that we've learned our lessons from and uh and sharpened our swords along the ways. And uh it's something that we say all the time. Uh, in our on our leadership team is um, uh, smooth seas don't make s- skillful sailors. Um, mm-hmm. You know we've we have learned a thing or two because you know we've we've failed and, and figured it out. So I think the value for uh, whether it's strategic or financial or private equity or whoever it is, the value for Rem Prep is that um, we've been doing things right for a long time, and it's unusual to see a company like rent prep that is driving over 6 million organic unique visitors to the site, not paid, not paid traffic. That's something that, you know, you can go out as a, as a, you know, get VC money and get this money and get this. You can't buy that. You can't, that, that takes time. That takes time and dedication to um, to a vision and to a strategy. And so for us, it was all about creating good content, um, doing it consistently and uh, and so, you know, we our our paid advertising is almost I would say negligible. It's less than a thousand dollars a month. It is not much. We don't pay for a lot of it. It's all organic. It's all being driven by the content that we've created and, and the the amount of time that we put into you know building that content. And we're super laser targeted. It's not real estate investing content. It's not um, you know uh, any other side. And there's a lot of sides to the real estate industry it's super niche specific it's it's landlords it's it's mom and pop landlords it's guys like you and me who are professionals and have professional lives but happen to own rental properties as a as an investment strategy and uh you know it's a huge market but it's super niche down and and um and so we've just always tried really hard to speak to that specific customer avatar and um we've learned our lessons i You know, I blew up a website and that's why our website today is good at, uh, you know, driving a lot of organic traffic because um, back in the day, we had another website. Um, I had no idea what SEO was, or I certainly didn't have any idea what black hat SEO was or link stuffing or all these other things that turns out Google hates. And, uh, you know, life was pretty good for a stretch and came into work one day and, traffic was gone like gone gone went to google typed in the name uh gone like not 10th page like de-indexed gone um so you know we we had to we had to come back from that we had to rebuild rebrand that's where uh we rent prep sort of was was reborn after it had failed the first time as a failed product and so i was like you know uh we had that name, and so I was like, "We should bring this back and do this right." And and I sort of uh, became obsessed with uh, content marketing, and I wrote the first hundred blogs um, on the new site, and it was all uh, from the point of view of these are the questions that our clients are asking, and we're going to answer those directly. And it's not an instant gratification, but if you do it consistently and well enough over time. It's, it's, you become an authority and it becomes helpful, genuinely helpful. So that was, um, that was our lesson learned. And I would say that I didn't even think at the time, like, oh, this is going to add future value to rent prep and people aren't going to be able to buy this stuff. It's going to be one of those things that, that sort of separate us and, and, and and might make us attractive to, uh, you know, to, to people looking to, um, you know, to make a strategic move or again, that, you know, we see a lot of, People in our space that are getting a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But money can't buy that stuff. That's that's time, dedication, commitment. So I think that's uh that's really what separates us and, and adds value for for the brand.
1: One other way that I that I've noticed, just in getting to know you better, that adds a ton of value that so many companies miss, especially at this early growth stage, is you've got a pretty sound, a really sound strategic and operate an operational planning system and and an operating system that you've been leveraging for years. Um yeah. you mind just talking to talking a little bit about that and you know what operating system you use?
0: Yeah. So we use EOS. Um there was a, a book by Gino Wickman and I'm and I'm a kind of a book nerd, right? And reading a lot of stuff and um book by Gino Wickman called Traction. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this gym where you read a book and maybe you you get through a page and you look around and you go, I feel like they might be writing this about me. Like this, this thing feels like it's like literally just talking about my whole entire experience. And so this book traction was exactly that. And it was like, you know, it felt like it was so personal to me and, and uh, it just, it just absolutely struck the right nerve. And uh, it was everything that I was struggling with and, and frustrated with as a as an entrepreneur who went from, you know, the the stage of building and, and and trying to create something, and okay, now we do have something, and and then build a team around that, and be productive, and uh, and be strategic, and you know those those were all things that were uh, that we were struggling, I was struggling with at that time, and uh, so the operational management system it's called EOS. Um, anybody who knows about it or hasn't hasn't heard of it. Check it out. It's, I'm telling you now it's, it, it is incredible. And and I think whatever it is, whatever the system that you choose, um, I think it's probably less important about the actual system. And just the most important is that you have something you, you can't, you cannot wing this stuff. Um, it's not going to just fall into place accidentally or, you know, or just work out and, and you, you just happen to get lucky. Um, You've got to be really, really uh you gotta be super strategic and intentional and in, with what you're doing and and how and especially nowadays with uh you know handling employees and uh-huh. you know, sort of in this era of the the great resignation. Um, if you're not engaged and you're you know with your employees and, and you don't have their professional development in mind and and you're constantly thinking, how can I, you know, improve my my Leadership team and our and, and you know increase our bench strength across the board and uh, invest in our employees so that not only are they engaged but you know they're they're more useful and helpful to the company and they're getting something out of it. Um, so all of those things, you know, these were all things kind of swirling around and and you know it was like grabbing sand it just kind of fell through your fingers without having something in place that that allowed us to really lock into what we wanted to do and and um and sort of chip away at it. And so yeah, three, four years later, um I'm super proud of the the, the leadership team that we have. Uh, most of them have been uh, developed from within long long-term employees that came up through the ranks um yeah, it, as a marine, I obviously respect that. I love the idea of that, right? I'd much rather I'd much rather identify um, a sharp employee, that is hungry and wants to learn and willing to start from the bottom and, uh, and, and learn the company and, and come up through it, then to, to find some ringer. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, that we've really leaned into that and it's been incredible. I, I'm no longer the fireman. I'm no longer like running around putting fires out everywhere. Uh, I've got a strong leadership team that I can lean on. Um, last month I had uh, COVID for three weeks and it was like, you know, the whole deal, the brain fog, the, you know, the everything. And man, there would have been a time where that would have just put me into such a panic, like destroyed me, like three weeks away from my company. I can't do that. You know, like, yeah, but you know, we're, we're in a place where our leaders are, are incredible. And I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that. I took my first two week vacation last year. Think about that. How That's crazy huge. that sounds. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs>
1: So I'm so glad you mentioned, too, about um, it's not about the system, right? Because there's tons of, you know, whether it's EOS or V2MOM or, you know, any of the others out there, it's not about the system. It's about the desire to to bring it from the top down and an, a team aligned on it. And ultimately, you know, in most cases, the need of somebody to come in and and lead the organization who's trained in that methodology, right? Um Yeah. You guys had someone come in that really helped get you guys up and running, correct? Yes. Yes. So we had an implementer. Uh,
0: they're usually not cheap, but well worth it. And I don't Those think that you things can, are <laughs> right. But it's like, what are you what are you investing in? Right. Like and, and for me, the money, the money was a commitment. It was to say, number one, it showed everybody on the team that, hey, we're taking this serious. So I never hid what it costs. Uh, I wanted everyone to know we're putting a lot of money into this. It's that important that we're willing to make this kind of investment and, uh, and we're taking it serious. And, you know, I've seen a lot of business owners, um, a lot of entrepreneurs try to try to execute it on their own because they want to save the money. Uh, It turns into some weird bastardized version of whatever it is they're trying to do. It never works out in the, well, I shouldn't say never in the longer, but the the examples i've seen have not worked out well and and they usually end up going back and finally saying ah i am going to pay the person to come in and do it um so my philosophy is pay it up front expect that that's going to be a cost uh, that you're going to incur and if your goal is to you know in in one or two years um you know, start to do it on your own and manage it on your own. That can be done. That's that's exactly what we did. We did it for two years. We paid an implementer who would come in, run our quarterly planning meetings, run our annual planning meetings. and um, and we needed that. We needed that that guidance and uh, mentorship, somebody else, you know, demonstrating exactly how to do this. and uh, and so now we're able to to do it on our own. Um, but i wouldn't I wouldn't skip that step for any of those systems if you can get an implementer do it it just it makes it real for everybody they take it serious there's almost some you know i don't want to say credibility but maybe credibility i mean you know for everyone else on the team seeing this this third party come in right it's not me anymore it's not me just constantly beating the same drum we need to do this guys we need to do this guys it's a different voice um and it's somebody else coming in to say hey this is what we need to do and so there wasn't that, um, you know, sometimes you have on teams sort of the, you know, the political side of things, you know, you get a faction of people who are like, I think this is dumb. Yeah, me too. And then, you know, like the whole thing just falls apart from there. So, yeah, yeah I, I feel like it, there was definitely value in having an implementer come in and do it.
1: Well, whether Whether it's a specialized role internally or a consultant implementer that you're bringing in for expertise. Like it's all about the expertise, right? If you want to invest in growth, you got to invest in growth, uh, in people. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's, it's good to hear that, that experience.
0: Yeah. And I would also say, don't be, don't be put off by the, the name EOS, uh, entrepreneur, uh, in, in, as the E in there, um, my first read at it, I was like, eh, is this like for, you know? small businesses is it for you know not to say that we were some huge business at the time but sort of question the the credibility of it and i you know i have seen firsthand uh billion dollar publicly traded companies that are that are using this and and operating from from EOS so it is not just a small mom and pop or brick and mortar or or any of those things it it really does fit um any business model if you have a team and you're trying to execute uh, either a growth strategy or um you know strengthen your 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 team and, uh, and, and their professional development so well well worth it and um, yeah don't be don't be put off and by the name entrepreneur it is also for very large enterprise companies as well
1: one of my favorite parts of of VOS is uh something I've adopted in literally every operating model that we institute, whatever is right for that company, right? Um, which is the level 10 meeting. And I think you yeah. call that your sacred time, right? Yeah. Um, yep. You mind speaking to to that a little bit? Yeah. Uh,
0: we have one today at one o'clock. So good example is, uh, Jim, you're a nice enough guy and I like it. But if you would have asked me and said, Steve, I only have one slot available. It's Thursday at one o'clock. I would have to tell you, I cannot, Jim, you cannot do it um it's our sacred time and we made that really we made that commitment and we've made it really clear right from the beginning and um and that starts at the top right like if i would have immediately started saying like well i'm going to skip this one guys cuz i got this call and it's super important or i'm going to go meet with this client and that's super important um i think it then starts to devalue uh for everybody else what this means and so for us always from the beginning this was Sacred time. You don't touch that time. You everyone has it blocked off in their calendars. Um, it's an hour and a half meeting every week that the department leaders get together. And depending on your organization, you can have multiple uh, L ten meetings going on. Um, you know, with different departments. But for us, um, it's the department leaders coming together, solving issues, looking at metrics, um, looking at KPIs. Right? Like this is the time that we spend to you know uh, up in the crow's nest looking out for icebergs and saying like hey we should probably steer this thing a little bit to to the right before we smash into something um and and you know it's 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 uh it's cathartic for us i think you know to just spend that time working on the business as a team and not just in the business all the time um so yeah that that is a it's critical critical and again if you're the business owner, everyone's going to be looking at you and how serious you take it. So it's important. Um, if you're in that role, you've got to model exactly what you would expect and and hold that time to be sacred.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's great to hear that. Nobody can be late to those meetings. Nobody, yeah, nobody has an excuse not to show up, right? Everything's prepped. And I mean, that's, that's how the best companies are are run. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's really great to hear about that evolution over the last few years. The uh, yeah, oh, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I was going to say the, the the you you mentioned something there, right? Like everything is prepped. Uh, it was something that we learned too. I think for a while we would maybe not wing it, but you, know, you sort of day by day you throw issues into your into your meeting notes, and we've got a space for issues, and so we would process them. Uh, but what we've been starting to do now, uh, I would say over the past year with the leadership team is. We do that where it's kind of this ongoing, consistent thing. But um, before our level 10 meetings weekly, uh, everybody schedules usually at least an hour um, to, to spend some time prepping, running through, taking a peek at what the issues are, uh, grabbing any data or information that they can so that when we talk about it as a, you know, as a group, we've got everything prepared and ready. Um, and so we're super efficient. I mean, we're you know, we're processing this stuff and getting in like taking it off the table. These aren't issues that linger around for a long time. They're issues that get solved because that's the intention. Get this thing out of here. We've got other things to worry about. You can't have this thing floating around here. So i, I just I wanted to point that. I thought you you mentioned it, and you made a really good point, the preparation for it. You can't, you know, you you got to give it that time. and and um, we started doing that and started seeing, just huge difference in productivity, too.
1: One of the things that I just in this conversation in, in ours past that, I, that I've loved about our discussions is there's this level of, of vulnerability, right, that, that you're that you're willing to share. And um, I'm just curious, you know, as part of as part of becoming more vulnerable, um, opening up and also being leading and managing you know, a, a rather large team. Any secrets that you can share to others in, in opening up and being more vulnerable and not feeling like they need to be superhuman, if you will, as founders?
0: Yeah. Um, so I would say uh, I, I'm a member of Vistage. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it. It's a really large organization for, well, it started off as you know, an organization for presidents and, and C-level uh executives um kind of like a a tribe right place you can go and uh share your share your concerns of the day which you couldn't with you know your employees um because you couldn't be vulnerable right you can't sometimes you can't be vulnerable in front of your employees or you don't want to show all your cards necessarily or you know you can't tell them about this deal that's happening behind the scenes or at least it's just not time to tell them yet so you know entrepreneurs have to stuff a lot down they have to push a lot down and and be you know smart and strategic about um you know how they air that stuff out and um so i've been a member of vistage and i was shocked last year i won the uh their impact award and it was i was nominated and 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 then they all voted on it and the one thing that kept coming up was vulnerability and everybody had said like uh you know i was this you know, I had this, uh, ability to be vulnerable and to, um, you know, to share my experiences with the group without, you know, without a lot of ego attached to it. And I think, I think where that comes from, um, is a failing a bunch, right? Like I, I know, you know, I know how I got here. Uh, I didn't take a bunch of money. I didn't come from an Ivy league school. Um, you know, I wasn't, um, you know, uh, you know, in, uh, intelligence in the Marine Corps, I I was a grunt. I crawled in the mud and shot guns. That's what I did. You know, like, uh, I know who I am and, uh, I I think that's, that's a part of it. And I would also say, uh, what really helped chip away at that, uh, over time, especially the, the, on the ego side of it was, um, when the business started to really become successful, and my definition of that success at the time would have been like, you know, um, we made the, you know, we hit the Inc 500, uh, 5,000 list fast, one of the fastest growing companies in America. We were the top of the list for our, our industry. Um, I got the big house. I bought the Mercedes S class, started collecting Rolexes. You know what I mean? Like in my mind, those were all the things that meant you're successful now, um, And it, and it didn't feel like it. There was still this sort of emptiness that I couldn't figure out like, oh man, what the heck I've, I've checked all these boxes. I've achieved these things that I thought in my mind would have meant you're successful now. And, and it just wasn't there. And, uh, uh, I started, I started going to therapy, which was probably the best thing I had ever done. And I remember probably the, you know, one of the first meetings or maybe the very first meeting I had sat down with the therapist and said, uh, and she had asked why, why are you here? I said. because I set out to be successful, and I did. I was so upset about it. I remember when I told her, I was like mad about it. I set out to be successful, and I did it. And it doesn't feel right. Like I don't know why I'm not happy, and I'm, I'm like frustrated by this. I couldn't couldn't wrap my mind around like why wouldn't just something magically happen? Like all of a sudden you're now supposed to be happy. Um, and so for me that was a you know a really powerful, profound experience that uh, those measures of success, those things that we that we think are what it is. Uh, that's, that's really not it. That's really not it. Um, for me, it was about finding what my purpose was, uh, and then aligning that and understanding how my business fits in with that purpose. Uh, and for me, my purpose is instilling, uh, wisdom, sharing wisdom, teaching, teaching a young group of, uh, uh leaders and, and pulling them up and, uh, and, and, helping them and you know, um, sharing the, you know, the art sometimes instead of the science. Um, and then I think once I was able to attach that, that purpose to what I was doing and give meaning to those things and, you know, none of that stuff matters now. Um, you know, none of the the measures of success that 10 years ago, even I would say, you know, those were, those were the things that, that I had my, my eyes set on the horizon that I was working hard for uh, that's, that's not at all why I work hard. Now I work hard for my team. I work hard for, uh, you know, I, I, show up for them. I do it because that's, that's why that's, that's my purpose. That's, that's why, uh, I'm, I'm here. So I think that that vulnerability comes from, uh, accepting, you know, uh, accepting who you are, knowing who you are, uh, you don't have to pretend, uh, anything else then, and it's, it's pretty liberating. It's pretty freeing. I don't have to pretend I'm, you know, something that I'm not. So, yeah, um, yeah. Well so I think, it, I think it's funny that that word vulnerability follows me everywhere, you know?
1: Yeah, well, it's, it, it's clear. And it's probably one of the best words that that one can have, um, in my opinion. So um, kudos to you for that development. The uh, as, as we close off these shows, um, you know, a lot of the listeners know that this part of the show is just kind of a series of five rapid fire questions in under a minute or two that just like to get out there. So, right. um, you know, to close us off, let me know when you're ready.
0: <laughs> I'm ready, man. Fire All right. away.
1: All right. So, top metric or measure that you're relentlessly focused on
0: um, traffic growth
1: top tip for growth stage founders like yourself
0: identify those kpis those uh those leading indicators because uh uh right as rain they w- they will tell you what's coming down the line
1: favorite book or podcast that's helped you grow hmm.
0: I'm going to throw an obscure one here. No one else is going to mention this. I promise. Uh, Outwitting the devil. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Uh, So uh, Napoleon Hill, not his typical think, grow rich, that type of stuff.
1: Nice. What actor would play you in a movie?
0: When I was, we used to play this game in the Marines when I was in, when I was younger, it was Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't think I can do that anymore. Uh, Man, what actor would play me in a movie? I'm still going to pick Leonardo DiCaprio. I just watched Wolf of Wall Street the other day. He's incredible.
1: Um, Great pick. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) who I would pick.
1: And lastly, what's going to be the title of your autobiography?
0: That's a good one. Um, Vulnerability, obviously. I feel like that's got to be. (laughs) How to be vulnerable. I don't know. Something with that.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So you've given so much to our listeners today, Steve, um, you know, time for a little self promotion, uh, for how others can help you. How can anyone listening help you and, and rent prep, you know, continue growing? Um, I would say,
0: I would say, well, check out rent prep. And uh, as an entrepreneur, obviously, um, uh, you know, we're, we're we're in the same tribe. Uh, I, I do have that camaraderie always. You know, whenever anytime I I meet another entrepreneur, there's um, that instant like I I may not know you, I may not know your story or even your industry or anything, but I know enough about you already. I know enough, you know, of either depending on where you are on your journey. Um, I've either been there, or or maybe you're you're ahead of me, and uh, you know I, I could see off into there and so I would say, um, you know, if you're a landlord use rent prep, there's my shameless plug, uh, join our community and and check it out. We're, we're a good resource, but knowing that, you know, most of, uh, most of the people listening to this are going to be entrepreneurs like myself, I would say connect with me. Um, you know, Steve at rent uh, always happy to connect with other business owners and entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, to me, that's, uh, to, to, it's a good community uh, that needs camaraderie and needs people to uh, be working together and not against each other. And, uh, you know, um, even in my own industry, I, I try to do away with, um, you know, this uh, the competitive walls that, that go up a lot of times. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we're all kind of in the same battle um, in the same fight. And so if we can help each other, um, I think that's, that's a great thing. So yeah, I would say, check out what we've got going on and, uh, anything you want to talk about or share with, or you find a, a miss, you know, a, a misspelling on our website. I always appreciate people pointing that stuff out. Yeah, reach out, let us, yeah, let me know. But yeah, I, I love to connect with entrepreneurs. So anybody out there that, uh, that wants to, um, feel free to reach out.
1: Awesome. And we'll put, we'll put that email in the show notes too. So Thanks for the time, Steve. Really appreciate you joining us on The Dirt. Yeah, great. Thanks
0: for having me on, Jim. I appreciate it. Uh, love what you're doing. Love the concept and uh, love the, you know, the, the spotlight you're shining on uh, entrepreneurs. And um, yeah, keep up the good work,
1: man. All right. Thank you. If you loved today's episode of The Dirt, make sure you rate it on your favorite platform. And if you really like this, go ahead and leave us an honest review. Thanks again for tuning in to The Dirt.